This is the A to Z Podcast. Welcome back. I'm Zach Jackson. He's Andre Knott. We're at Akron Jackson at Dre Knott on most of your favorite social media platforms. We're at A to Z Podcast.com. We're at Facebook.com slash A to Z Podcast. Uh, we never get caught up in the numbers on this podcast, and uh, we try not to ask you guys for too much of anything, although we do fully appreciate your support. But the other day I was putting something on the Facebook page, and I noticed we only got like 900 likes, so... Help us out with that. It's a minor thing that might help us down the future. Uh, we put some links on there. We post all the podcasts on there. So Facebook.com slash A to Z podcast uh, when you get a moment. Andre, good morning. Good afternoon. How are you? I'm good. So I'm going to start with a little story here. So uh, last hey, Friday, let me, I, say I, let, me say, let me say one thing. Let me okay. say one thing. We don't ask for very much. Just don't be fucking racist. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thanks for listening. Talk to you next time. On <laughs> I mean, that's not asking too much, is it? <laughs> it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be. And and as we usually do, we're going to hold my story for later. Like, no, no, give your story. No, no, no. I want to follow up on this point. Um, you know, thanks for the feedback on on the last podcast it's something we dish we wish we didn't have to talk about frankly um it is what it is like not only is he exactly right don't be fucking racist like on top of that just don't go out of your way to be racist or to be mean to people or be a fucking idiot in general right like like right quit wasting your energy in our eyeballs on social media with your bullshit like quit going out of your way to make your point, your ancient, fucked up, stupid point, <laughs> because no one cares. Like, do what you want, right? Think what you want, right. I guess. But like, just don't go out of your way to be fucking racist. Right, but it's like a badge of honor nowadays. It seems like it's a badge of honor to show how ridiculously stupid and ridiculously out of touch I can be. Um, I have to admit, and I didn't want to kill your story. I'm sorry. Just when you said we don't ask for much, and we don't, and we really don't. We just have a good come here, have a good time, relax, take your mind off whatever else is going on. But at the same time, as I hear you say that, it's like the one common thing that we really like want to get across: don't be racist, don't be mean for no reason. It, it does accomplishes very little for anyone that's involved. Um, and and look, social media has, is a great thing that it lets people blow off steam and lets people you know give their opinions and share great stories. There's been some beautiful things I've learned or beautiful people I've caught up with um, because of social media. But at the same time, just the constant snark and constant just negativity and just it, it grows so old. And I hate that it's a representation of all of us because it is, you know, like I heard like a couple of friends, we were we were doing something and like, you know, we were trying to act like we were cooler than the other because of what social medium the social media medium, we would, we were like, ah, oh, we don't, I don't use Facebook or I don't use, and it's like, at the end of the day, they all come off as trash at times because you get so many trash comments that come back and forth. Like, I have to admit, I probably spent way too much time and drank like three beers last night just reading off the NASCAR Twitter about the Confederate flag. Yes. Like, you know, because I texted to you all night long and literally, I literally like every like 20 minutes, I would just keep reading response, laugh, send a couple to you, read a couple with my wife, share a couple with my dad. And I'm like, these are real people. Now, some of them, I guess, are pulling your chain or pulling your leg. But it's embarrassing that, that that's where we're at in 2020. But we're definitely there because as right before we got ready to start this, 
Somebody sent me some lady. We call them Karens now, but I don't want to make the Karens mad. But you know, somebody just sent me a video of some lady in California yelling at a lady at a at a, at a lady saying, "Go back to whatever part of Asia you're from." Like, why is this? I guess what I'll say is this: I don't think people have changed dramatically so much over the last 20, 30, 40, 50 years. I guess just the ugliness of it because it's being broadcast because we all have phones. Um, just gives you a just gives you a terrible feel about what our world is at times, and I know our world is better than this. I do, but gosh, what we're getting at, what we're what we're letting be represented us by what we show through social media is is ugly, and it's not a good look. Yeah, and and, and let's talk sports in a minute, and I know we will, but like through this whole thing, and I mean this whole quarantine, this whole uh, last couple weeks of of racial unrest and, and a lot of things coming out in different ways and progress being made. Right. Um, and you know, people taking side, all, all of that, like what an opportunity for all of us, old and young, white and black talks too much, new here, old here, whatever, like just to kind of half step back, half deep breath. Right. And like the way right. we talk to each other, the things we get mad about, the things we waste our energy on speaking of social media, (laughs) right? Like the things that are really important. And I try not to lecture and I'm as guilty as anyone else. Some lady cut me off 20 minutes ago while I was driving and I wanted to chase her down. (laughs) Absolutely. That's natural. (laughs) But like, you know, just as we're starting to get out more, right. And we're starting to head back to normal and everybody's kind of carrying something, Right. And, and like all of what's out there that's touched everyone in one way or a lot of us in many ways, right? Like right. Just, a, just a quick, okay, a recenter, a reevaluate and like, let's be better. And if we're all like a tiny bit better, not to go full babe Kwasniak 6 a.m. on Twitter here, but like, you know. <laughs> Like if we're all a tiny bit better, that's progress, and and that's how we close the last podcast, right? With just yeah progress, and it doesn't hurt any, it doesn't hurt anybody for us to move forward. Yeah, and and, and shout out um, my colleagues at the Athletic did a great job with this story. Um, the players themselves, of course, and and that's going to be the theme as we talk about who's getting back to sports and who's being a dickhead about getting back to sports. Is that the players drive it? They did that video. Uh, the NFL players I'm speaking about, I think a week ago today. And then even though it was 6.30 on Friday night, which I thought was strange, um, the NFL decided to support it. And Roger Goodell came out and said something very important. And he said, we were wrong in the way we handled the protests the last time they became a major issue. And so we still got things to talk about, Trey. We still got lots of progress to make, right? But like that... And I know we're going to talk about one of the quarterbacks in the league eventually. Like, yeah. that's progress. Admitting we did this wrong before. And from now on, we change the way. We say this, do this, approach this. Right? And that right. is progress. It is. No, absolutely. I think it's progress. And, and look, going forward with the Roger Goodell thing, I think Roger Goodell did something to start off with since you went, you went there. I think – he did something. Look, anybody that's been in a relationship, out of relationships, whether it's friendships with your parents or with friends or with the opposite sex or however you get down, um, one of the most difficult things to do when wrong or, or in a relationship, no matter how you feel, is admitting that you're wrong or admitting that you made a mistake um, and admitting that, hey, you know what? I didn't, I didn't get, and we've all done it. 
um, whether it be, you know, whether it be the, whether it be doing the dishes or not doing the dishes or whether it be something um, as far along as what Kaepernick did or didn't do, it takes a, it takes a bigger man to admit, you know what? I was wrong, uh, especially from someone in Roger Goodell's situation. Um, everything hasn't been dealt with the way that it's going to be dealt with, but I thought it took big strides for someone in Roger Goodell's position. I mean, I mean, the answer was pretty obvious, but we've seen in the past just because the, the answer is obvious doesn't mean that's how it always is you is always taken care of. So I know it's a small step, but I think it's a huge step that Roger Goodell came out the way that he did. Now, <laughs> you and I both could get into why, you know, the ifs, whys, and, and what pressured him into doing what was right and saying what's right. Well, sure. There's a lot of more stuff, you know. Like, there's a lot more to it, but at least. Zach, for me, at least having him in his living room and not trying to, you know, trying to be funny on the NFL draft like he was just a few weeks ago, I think it was a big stride for him to come out and say he was wrong uh, and say the NFL needs to do better. And they, I mean, the line to me that, that was said that he wasn't forced to say um, that stood out to me was him basically saying the NFL wouldn't be the NFL without, without African-Americans being a part of it. That's right. Um, that was more than what the players asked him to say. Uh, but I think it was a big stride. It's it's obvious. It's honest. It's the truth. And the only how you're going to get past this, and the only how we're going to get you know move past all of this, because I had somebody tweet me that I think knows both of us, and he kind of tweeted me. He was like, all right, you know, it's like, all right, we get it. Enough of that. Well, can we get back to normal? I would love to get back to normal. Yeah. I would also love to be treated equally. Right. So let's you know, like, so once we get to a point where everybody feels like we're equal. We can get back. Like, that's what everybody wants. But unfortunately, this has gone on for so long that the story is not going to go away. But the Goodell thing, I give him credit. I tip my hat to him for going as far as he did. I know some complained and said that he should have outrightly, you know, apologized to Kaepernick. I think there's something to that. But I don't think that was the time and place. I think there will be a time and place to admit and have a real sit-down talk. With, you know, whether Kaepernick plays in the NFL again or not, and I know you have your thoughts about that, and I have mine on that as well. Um, I think legitimately if the NFL, and this is just coming off the top of my head, Zach, to be completely honest, I'm, I'm not messing, setting this up. I legitimately feel like if they, if the NFL wants to make a statement, it's not signing Colin Kaepernick. It's sitting down and doing a real NFL town hall where Roger Goodell and Colin Kaepernick sit down in a room with Jay-Z or whoever else. You put whoever you want in the room. You know, whether it's, um, I'm trying to think of the guy that's got his own show that was with the NFL. Or, I don't care. Put four guys down. Put Roger Kaepernick. Put Roger. Put Kaepernick in a room together, and simply have a conversation. It doesn't have to be yelling and screaming. It could just simply be, "This is what I was trying to state. This is what I was trying to achieve." I didn't, you know, like wearing the socks with the pig on him was a bad move by Kaepernick, but that doesn't take away from the message that was trying to be sent. And Roger Goodell, in the same token to me, sit down and and and, and I shouldn't say the word token, but just sit down and have a conversation and explain that you know what. Because of the pressures of our world, maybe I didn't look through the scope that I should have looked through. But let's have a conversation now so we can find the same scope to look through because that, to me, is where we get progress now. Not the apologies, but actually having conversations of, okay, this is how we can fix it. This is how we can move, take steps forward. This is how we can help everyone feel like they're at the right place at the right time. Yeah, um, there's just been so much, so many layers to this. And to follow what you said, I don't know if you saw this tweet. The Boston Red Sox put out a tweet. And, oh, I saw it. <laughs> you know, we, we, for those of you who missed it, I don't know how I found it because I certainly don't follow the Boston Red Sox on Twitter. But 
we can all have our <laughs> opinions about Boston as a city and, and about baseball in this regard. But they came out and they basically said, on the Red Sox account, signing their organization's name to it, um, we know the stories that Tory Hunter has told is true. And they also, I, I cannot believe a team was this open. We had seven reported incidences of racial slurs being used at Fenway last year. And they follow that up by saying, and those are the ones we know about. Right. Right. Like, right. Progress. Right. That's huge progress. It's huge progress because just not that long ago, a reporter that goes on a show of friends of ours, an Ohio state guy was, was basically telling you that new England and Boston wasn't racist. And I got to be honest, I had to stop following that person. I had to stop reading that person because that was the most racist thing I ever heard because I know what I've heard when I've been at Fenway Park and when I've been in New England. For the Red Sox to come out and admit it um, was huge. And I, like, and I won't even say that person's name that I, that I had to stop following because it's not even about that. But it is about that because when we talk about privilege and things of that nature, by playing – when you've had this many players for this long tell you that, look, when you go to Boston, you hear shit that you don't hear anywhere else. And for a, a – for a writer that's got a decent following to try to come out and kill that way he did, that was, to me, that pissed me off. Because all it take, it's not hard, it's not hard to do some digging, to do some research. All he had to do was talk to like, I don't know, a hundred of the football players that he, that he talked to or was around when he was at Ohio State. It's not that hard to make a couple phone calls and be like, hey man, what really happens when you play in Boston? What really happens when you play in New England? It's not that hard. It's better than doing that than making this a flippant, you know, remark, and then the people that are on that side go, see, this writer said that's not true, but it is true. I, I don't, I've never played a game in Fenway Park, but I've worked there, and I've heard the N-word, and I've heard other words towards, towards Dominicans and towards Puerto Ricans, and it's not right. It's not right. It's not something we should be going through in 2020. I mean, I can tell you multiple players of color that have put, I, you know, no trade clauses to Boston. Why has that been going on for so long? Because Boston has been so nasty and negative towards his players. So kudos to the Red Sox for, for admitting it, for seeing it, for trying to make change with it. I give them credit. Can they change everyone? No. And I think that was the main thing I was going to talk to you about last week. You know, we're at this great point in time where we're having these discussions that we've never had before. I'm not blind to the fact that you're not going to change certain people. Certain people feel the way that they do, Right. You're not like if, if you've been if you've been raised racist and you've been raised a way to hate other people. You're not just gonna wake up one day because those people are telling you finally that they've had enough. You're not gonna suddenly just stop being racist. Now maybe you can have a conversation. Maybe you hear the right story that changes things. I had a I can't even talk about a situation that I'm going through in my in one of my jobs, and that tells you a lot about this podcast because there's not much that's ever been censored. Uh, that goes on in our lives, whether it's with at home or in, on the road or anything else. But I have to censor myself about a situation that that is happening as we speak. That's been frustrating. Um, that made me have conversations with uh, bosses way higher up than I ever thought I would have. That's made me think about changing my profession. To be completely honest, um, it's it's frustrating. And it's amazing to find out where you really stand with people when the chips are down on the table, to be completely honest. And the chips are down on the table. And I had a heart-wrenching conversation with someone that didn't see everything the way that, that, that it really is until we had a conversation where I basically had to lay all my guts on the line, and then they realized how, how off-base they've been. 
and how they didn't realize or weren't trying to be off base. They just didn't see life through that scope and didn't want to see life through that scope, never had to see life through that scope. And I guess that's a good thing. And as I told that person, that's all I want for my kid. I don't want my kid to go through life and never have to live through this scope of knowing that, that hate is real. It, it's not a made-up – like, I hear people, like, with this Confederate flag stuff. I find it hilarious. Um, I, I find it hilarious for this reason. And I can put Zach and I into this situation. I can't speak for Zach, but I do know that when we were on the water a couple, uh, a couple all-star breaks ago, and we're having a good time, and Zach's just happy that I'm out there. And I don't have to put words in Zach's mouth. But we're just, you know, we're having a good time. Two friends out in the water, you know, doing what people do out in the water, having a great time. Hey, let's go stop somewhere and see your brother, see, you know, see my brother and see a couple of their other friends. And as we pull up to this place, and I would feel the same way if I pulled up somewhere and I knew that someone basically had an anti-white flag, you know, flying. And I've heard people say, well, it's not anti this or it's not anti that. Well, I can tell you as a black person, I've never felt comfortable when I see it. Because I know that I, I know growing up that when that flag was burning or that flag was around, it usually meant there was white supremacists around burning flags in, in our front yards or breaking windows or having a Ku Klux Klan meeting, and that was the flag that they came with. Sorry, that's what it represents to people in, the, in, in, in a black neighborhood. When a black person sees that stars and bars, we don't see it as, oh, that's cool. That's just representing the, 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 you know, the South. They got their ass kicked way back in, you know, 100 years ago in the war. That had a four-year war and got the crap beat out of them. That, that's not – it doesn't come off as positive. But I can say when we got off that boat and the Confederate flag is staring at us, I don't want to put words in Zach's mouth. He knew I felt uncomfortable. But looking at him, he felt more un- uncomfortable because – and I'm not putting words in anybody. You can tell me. But you can tell how Zach felt. Zach wasn't himself because he felt like, oh, shit, I'm bringing my friend here, and that's what he's got to deal with. I'm embarrassed. So embarrassing. It's time for – it's time for that type of shit to stop. I, I'll, I'll tell another story that I, that's funny now. And it ended up making for a great weekend, but one of the first NASCAR races I ever went to was uh, I, we, were, we went to Indianapolis um, for the Brickyard 400. And I'd never gone to the Brickyard. I, my dad had taken me to Indianapolis. I've obviously been around racing my whole life. Um, so I've seen the stupid flag, but usually I'm with my dad or you know, whatever else. So I fall asleep. On my way to Indian, on our way to Indianapolis, because as usual, we were all dumbasses that stayed up on the night before drinking. And whoever had to drive got stuck driving. I think I drove like the first two hours and was like, "All right, I did my time." And I went back to the back of this economy van that we had that we had rented, and I fell asleep. And when I woke up, that and I think you know this story, but I woke up and I hear the guys kind of like, "Oh, we made it. We're parking. We're finding our place to park." And I just kind of laid there on the floor. And as we finally parked and opened up the door, it was like I woke up to a nightmare because there was a Confederate flag literally waving 10 feet in front of me. And I literally, like, mumbled, are you guys fucking serious? This is, where, this is what I got to deal with all weekend long? And the group of guys that I was with, we all laughed. But then they realized, yeah, this isn't cool. Why do we got to have this flag blaring in front of us for the whole weekend? Now, to go long story short, the group of guys that did have the Confederate flag, after realizing how ridiculous it came off when you had a couple of black guys sitting next to them, the Confederate, they finally did take it down, and we ended up becoming drunk drinking buddies. And the one guy apologized later on in the night. But the reason why you wake up to that and I felt like it was a nightmare, it was like, okay, I'm going to be on a campground for the next two days next to people that obviously don't respect my life or, or, or people that have had that flag 
and planted it and burned crosses and, and, and drunk black people. I would never want to do that to you, no matter how I thought about my heritage. So I'll never understand why that flag has been fought about the way that it's been fought about. Yeah, in 2020, it's just, um, it's really amazing. <laughs> it really is. I, I don't know how, how else to say it, that, that people still insist. Uh, but kudos to NASCAR for taking that step, because that's a that's a real thing, right? No doubt. Um, no doubt. It's huge. No doubt. All right. Let me ask you this. Um, why is it, not just this year, but any year, COVID or no COVID, why do the other sports, Dre, have so much fun with the draft, with free agency, with the run-up, <laughs> to whatever? Why does everything baseball does, and I'm, obviously I'm I speaking know. about right now, why does it more like I a trip know. to the dentist's office than, than anything else? Well... Mm, um, <laughs> be careful. I already talked about maybe having to change professions. Um, <laughs> uh, well, I think with anything that we talk about in success or not successful, starts with leadership, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think anytime you, any business or any entity that's successful has great leadership at the top, has a great command of who they are and what they are and how to sell it. And they go all in on selling it that way. I mean, we just talked about what, what Roger Goodell did. It's not going to go over well with all of his owners. But he knew he had to step up and do what was right because he didn't want to lose the grip of his league, of the league, no matter how these owners feel, right? I don't think MLB right now has leadership that truly knows how to get out in front of something and stand up to the people that he works for and stand up to the players to get them where they're at. Um, they ha- they lack leadership, Zach. It's sad. Like, like with everything going on, you know, the NFL. I'll put it this way: in my mind, the NFL or NBA would have made yesterday during MLB draft. I would say those two commissioners would have sat down in a room this past weekend and said, "The hell with both of you. We are going to make Wednesday the day of the draft, the most celebrated day that MLB has ever had." We're going to announce before the draft that we're coming back to play baseball. We're going to come back and we're saying we're giving we're giving ten million dollars to you know to a worthy cause. We're going to give money. We're going to come out and have an extravaganza and say we're going to we're going to put money together and make money tonight to give back to all the people that work inside these these stadiums that have lost money this year. And then we're going to have the best fucking draft that we've ever had. And we're going to talk tell you about these players like we've never told you about these players. We're going to go inside their lives and talk about their families talk about the sacrifices they've made to become part of a major league baseball team. And we're going to have each team have their, you know, have a representative for their team to talk about the conversations they've had the last week about what's going on in our world. We're going to turn around the image of baseball and we're going to do it all in one night. And this is how we're going to kick it off. None of that happened last night. They have yeah. no feel for the real world, man. It's, it's frustrating. It's yeah. Really frustrating. No. And see, I, I have, in the last three weeks, say, that's just me throwing it out there because I don't know what day it is, let alone what week it really is. <laughs> like, I was reading stuff, but just for whatever else has been going on and sometimes just exhaustion by the fact that they haven't gone back because it feels like Memorial Day was three weeks ago, right? Right. Um, I haven't read right. any details. But, like, just the vibe I get from turning on sports radio for five minutes or perusing Twitter or just when it comes up in conversation with my neighbors or 
with whomever I encountered. Um, it just feels like it's a very bad look that they can't get millionaires and billionaires on the same page. And it just feels like totally surface level that it could be detrimental to the long term well, success and stability. The of the long, I hear you. Well, what's all right? And I, I'm not saying you're wrong, but I, I'm asking everybody. It's like, somebody else said to me it's going to kill the league, and I'm like, okay, what is kill the league, or what's what the words? What's detrimental? Like what? I, I, and I'm asking, yeah. what worse could happen to baseball at this point in time? Well, that's that's a fair argument too. It's just I put it this way. Last night, I was kind of pumped to watch NASCAR, right? Me too, right? right. Today, I was kind of pumped to um, see that the basketball tournament's going to be on TV on July 4th week. It's going to be in Columbus. There's going to be no one there, not even media, but, you know, to see that. Um, yesterday, talking to my friend's nephew, who was kicking a soccer ball around, we talked about MLS is going to be back on TV in two weeks, and next week, the Premier League's back, right? Like, there's an appetite, Dre. Like, For we're sure. getting a little bit back to normal, and people are back to doing different things, going to their kids' baseball games and hanging out a little more. But, like, there's no sports on. And there should be baseball on not every day, but every hour of the day if you're not playing in front of fans. And instead, right. the only baseball headlines are baseball can't get its shit together. Right, right. You know where I'm at right now, where I just drove to as you were saying that because I agree with you? I'm sitting in front of your old house in Wadsworth watching a Little League baseball game. <laughs> That's, I swear. I'll send, I'll send a picture. And, and, and I, I'm, I'm sitting in front of your old house back then watching a bunch of kids I've never seen before because I'm so sick yeah. of us not having what we should have. And it's just my frustration of, of where we are in life. And I was like, you know what? I know where kids are playing baseball. I'll, I'll just go watch these kids play baseball, sit in my car, have a nice, have a nice cold water, and we'll do our podcast. Um, I – just going back to just why baseball doesn't get it. Um, I'm not, you know, it, one of our rules is we don't get in other people's pockets. I sure. I don't know how much is being made, how much is not being made. Um, and, and, the, and, and you're right. The conversation kind of goes back to, oh, it's just the millionaires and billionaires fighting again. Um, it's the easy fight. It's the easy, you know, take of all of this. But, and, and look, I, I talk to players. I don't talk to owners. Um, maybe I should find a way. And it's a black kid playing left field here in Wadsworth. I got to definitely got to stand by him. Um, <laughs> um, the players that I've talked to, I mean, most I can tell this: most of them are back in their hometowns. Uh, most of those guys you know, are in their, I mean, the towns they play in. There are a ton of Indians that are in Cleveland. Uh, I talked to Jason Kipnis the other day, and shout out to Kip for just texting and calling me, see how I was doing, and just to talk. Um, and just about everything race-wise, and I know he did some cool stuff. I know a lot of the Cubs basically have driven back from Arizona, and they're in Chicago. The players want to play, Zach, and for the people that are listening, the players, are they, they want back. That's why they've gone to these cities. Um, they've basically gotten three, and we're at a different stage. I think in the next 24 hours, an agreement's coming. I don't know anything for certain, but I know a little bit. It sounds like we're going to have baseball. We're going to have baseball. But they've totally ruined a situation to make themselves look a lot better than they could. Yeah. But the thing the players keep saying to me, Zach, is they keep giving the same exact offer. But the owners haven't got off of where, where they're at right now in any way, shape, or form. And the players are getting pissed and mad because they feel like what you said is true. That you know, Not you what you said, but how most people are saying, all oh, the players are just being greedy. And to the players, whether this is right or wrong, the players feel like, Hey, 
we've agreed to get at least half of our salary. They've taken it to almost basically just giving us 25 to 33% of our salary. We understand that things are different, but there's got to be a better way for us to get baseball back without us only making 25% of our salary, where the owners are steadfast and not wanting to lose any more money. Unfortunately, half of America, I mean, not half, but you guys get the drift, Half of America doesn't give a shit about that because there's so many people that are unemployed, so many people not knowing when the check's coming in, so many people not knowing if they're going to be able to feed their families or keep their houses, that they don't got time to worry about you right. know, what, what a player is going through or anything else. And I get that. I totally get that. I'm in a bad spot. I'm going to get hit by a ball. But I'm sorry, <laughs> and I got a good spot. To well, what do we always say? Perception, uh, perception matters, right? Yep. In, in yeah, pro sports exactly. especially, in big business, when people are watching, especially now, what's helped pro sports, all of them, Social media, your your fans are dialed in from anywhere, right? You used to have to wait for the next right. day's newspaper to get your baseball box score. Now at one click, you can get a guy's whole life, right? Exactly. I heard exactly. some kids. I heard some kids a week ago excited slash arguing about their fantasy teams, right, with their cousins <laughs> and their friends. Right. I don't think they even understood that there's no fantasy teams until there's real baseball, right? Right. <laughs> like, for sure. That's why that's just another reason there's got to be games, right? There's got to be. There are people are dying for sports. And, and like, I was like doing a little dance. When the notification came across, <laughs> I, I got to admit, I said two things. One of my, my coworker, Bill Landis, sent a notification to all of us in Cleveland just said, hey, just a heads up, guys, I'm working on the story. The tournament is going to be played in Columbus from July 4th to whatever. Uh, you know, no fans. No media, blah, 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 just that's coming on. And my first response to the group was, that's Aaron Kraft's last hurrah before retirement. There will be pe- there'll be white people in all four corners of Ohio openly weeping. <laughs> but my second was, that's my vacation week, my formal vacation week before uh, NFL gets started. And I will love that there's basketball on at 11 a.m. and 1 p.m. and 5 p.m. Right. And, you know, Right. I'm glad it's wait. an Eastern time zone, wait. too, because I go to bed at nine these days. But um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so, look at me. I'm, I'm literally I just I'm literally watching little it's one o'clock in the afternoon on a Thursday and I'm at a little league baseball field watching baseball. So, and 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 like and I'm not bragging. This is like this is big for me. This is real competition. If I get you here tomorrow, we're going to bet on these games. <laughs> 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 like that's where we're at America that's where we're at like so, I'm sitting here and I'm proud to be sitting in my car right now with the air conditioning while watching two teams play baseball I don't know one kid on this team on either team but I tell you what I bet on the red team right now <laughs> <laughs> oh that's wonderful so, so um, sorry, you're really going to get a break what are, you, are you really going to do anything with it are you going to just be around hoping the sports show up on the TV well um. Yes and no. I no. I I'm, I'm planning on going on vacation. Um, an actual vacation. The problem is, um, with sports coming back and with Ohio kind of being at the forefront uh, of this, with P, the first PGA event with fans will be in Ohio. There will be another PGA event the the previous week at the same course, uh, Muirfield in Dublin. Um, you know the we the NFL. There's a possibility guys will come back early. Um, it doesn't really seem that way, but there's probably going to be some um, amendments to training camp. Maybe that's just cutting two of the preseason games. You know, maybe it's a, a mini camp before, right before training camp. 
I don't know. Um, so we're kind of all on call with that. So, right. um, but yeah, but as of now, I'm planning on, on going on an actual vacation, which just for me just means just get the hell off the computer. You know, go outside right. and and do that. So we'll see. But uh, last Friday was uh, a very tough day for me, um, you know, in our business, my chosen business, my company, uh, as the athletic had some layoffs. And um, so I dealt with that by having some claws. And about nine o'clock, Jerry, I was ready to go to bed. So I went to bed, shut everything. Yeah. All the doors, all the curtains, whatever. And, and I maybe was messing with the phone or something, but I just frankly had had enough. So about 9.25, 9.30, someone in the neighborhood starts shooting off some fireworks. And I'm like, <laughs> you know, okay, old man, like it's 9.30 on Friday night. It's the summer. We live on the lake. Like chill the right, fuck out, right. right? And I did. Right. And shortly thereafter, I just went to sleep. Well, about 10.45, 11, they were shooting off some fireworks, and they were shooting off a bunch of them. So I did what I felt like I had to do, and I went out there, and I walked two houses down, and I said, guys, I have a question. And they looked at me like I was the biggest party pooper in the history of the universe. And I said, <laughs> fellas, I don't care that you're shooting off the fireworks. I just want to make sure you bought them at AmericanFireworks.com. <laughs> Proud longtime sponsor of the A to Z podcast. So um, uh, I actually cracked a beer with them and they shot off the rest of the fireworks. And by 11 or so, uh, everybody, you know, went, went about their way and I got my full night sleeping. So uh, I just want to say I know he listens. He's a longtime friend of ours before he and I were co-workers, longtime supporter of the podcast by retweets and by word of mouth. Tom Reed is one hell of a writer. He is one hell of a person, and I don't know. I don't care if you have you're in the writing industry or any industry. Tom Reed will make your company better. He will entertain the shit out of you. He will drink you under the table at and during yep. and after any event. And um, so, you know, the business is the business. It, the decisions were made. I hate that we're going to lose him, but full salute to Tom Reed. I wanted to make sure that I said that absolutely. I want to say that too. Um, I echo everything Zach has said. Um, I know that I'm not a writer, and, and I know people can look at me and they can call me a lot of different things. Um, and I've said this before about the Terry Plutos and, and the older generation of writers that we've had, but there's been some writers that, are, that maybe are 10 years or so older than us. Um, they keep me dedicated to doing what we're doing. They keep me dedicated to um, making sure that I have facts when I try to report things and making sure that I, that I pay attention to every little detail. Um, so when I do tell the story or where the story does get out, that I, I'm giving you guys the right story and I'm doing it the right way. And it, and it comes from people like Tom Reed, um, who I legitimately, I learned from, uh, you know, like when I watch him do the, the things that he does and I watch how he tells stories and the way he tells stories and how in depth he goes into telling a story that's different than the story that we usually read. Um, I credit him because I appreciate that. And that makes me better. Uh, and I appreciate reading things that he does. And I know somebody said something I gave credit. There's an article that Jason um, I'm trying to think. There's something that, that in the athletic that I I tweeted about the other day, and Jason Lloyd. It was a story Lloyd did on oh Clevenger the Clevenger, the Clevenger story, yeah, yeah, right, which was fun. And I and I tip my and I look. I don't have to tip my hat to the athletic. They only give me a fucking free hat right now, and I need a new one. <laughs> um, but I pay, and I appreciate what they're doing. And like, and the Jason article was a great example of where you guys have this open open can canvas to truly 
show us who players are, what they're about, and show their attitude, and hear how many times they say fuck. And that, and that, that article that, that Jason did with Clevenger, I loved it because I just happened to be walking around with messing around, and he made me a part of it because I was like, hey, man, you got to hold a bunch of stuff. I'll hold your, your recorder. I may say a couple things. But, and he was fine with it, and he made that a part of the story. And someone kind of said after I said, this is why the athletic is so great, because you truly get to know the personalities of players by how they do the interviews. Someone goes, I bet Tom Reed wouldn't say that. And I know I'm saying Zach is torn up about it. Um, for the minute it happened, he, him and I talked about it. And I know I reached out to Tom later on in the night, last Friday night. And I, we just appreciate guys like Tom and what he stands for and that he can drink you under the table. Tom, we know that you'll get another job very soon. Uh, that type of talent doesn't go, you know, won't sit around for long. I know it sucks to hear it, uh, but we need more Tom Reeds. We need more Tom Reeds in this business. Uh, we need more, you know, there's a lot of guys I could say, but Tom, we're thinking about you. And as I told him, anything I can do to help him stay in the business or get somewhere else, I'm more than willing to do it because uh, I appreciate what he stood for, who he is, and how he's made me better uh, at my job because I know eyes like his are paying attention to what I'm doing. Uh, and I appreciate how good and how thorough he's always been. All right, so um, my phone has buzzed twice. I got to get to some real work, Trey. So a couple things here as we get out. Um, American Fireworks. Well, I gotta ask oh, you a qu- I, go ahead. I got to okay. ask you a question before we go, but go ahead. Uh, American Fireworks, our longtime sponsor, always open at AmericanFireworks.com. This is their time of year always. So their summer's different like like a lot of ours is, but they are open. They've been known to uh, take care of you if you tell them A to Z sent you. The Honeymoon Grill, Cleveland Scene, longtime supporters. And as we mentioned at the top of the show, thank you guys for listening, for sticking with us, for supporting us and the different things we've done, for the feedback you give us, um, all of that. So give me um, – what's your question? Um, we talked about this a little bit on the radio the other day. Um, and I've been wanting to talk to you about this. Hell, I was willing to do just a 20-minute podcast the other day. And it's not to be controversial – um, I just think, I think, and hear me out, you don't have to agree with me. And I want people to listen to what I'm saying and not react, and then react. I felt like what happened with Drew Brees and the New Orleans Saints last week is one of the best things that can happen right now in our world. Um, well, no matter what side, and it's not about taking sides. Well, yeah, that's solid. Nice play. Um, we do got to do that thing that you plan on doing. Maybe we just come, do, come here and do it during yeah. the day. Uh, by the way, um, side note, <laughs> but I thought the Drew Brees thing, it, it was real. I think that it's what's going to happen in America. I think the true adults in the room will have real conversations. I think it's okay for Drew Brees to feel the way that he felt initially and say what he said. I didn't agree wholeheartedly with everything that he said. But I think it's okay that he came out and said uh, his feelings about his grandfather and things of that nature and said it out loud rather than having that pent-up frustration and being pissed off at teammates and being pissed off at different people and not understanding where they came from. I think when you come out and say, hey, I'm standing up for the flag because of what my family did in their ser- when they gave service, I tip my hat to that and I respect that. But what that did was open up a conversation that Drew Brees was able to have with his teammates to say, where his teammates were saying, we don't disrespect what your grandfather did. But we're trying, to, and, I, and I think we got so caught up in the past about a flag, and we've talked about flag way too much in this podcast. Um, but what Drew Brees was saying, I didn't have anything wrong with. It hurt me a little bit. And I had white friends, and I had white friends that were like, I'm done with Drew Brees. And I'm like, nah, I'm not done with him, done with him. I think it's okay. Like, it's okay to have those feelings. But to have those feelings and not get demonstrative about it, not get negative about it, 
not get rude about it and have real conversations, I think leads to true change. No one, Drew Brees is never going to change how he feels about what his grandparents, his grandfather did in the service. I will say I had a grandfather that worked in the service and he got treated like shit after he, after he fought for our country. And I think that's why a lot of black Americans, it's very difficult for us to get caught up in the flag and what the American, what the stars and stripes stand for when we know a lot of our ancestors fought in wars for this country and then got treated like shit in by this country. And I think for Drew Brees to have to hear that probably changed Oppo single to right field. First hit of the day seen by me. <laughs> I think that, I think those conversations need to be had, Zach. So I commend Drew Brees for being open and honest and willing to listen. Uh, I hope more of us can. I don't know how it will play in the locker room. Uh, I heard that Shaq was a part of their conversations, and Shaq was great. And just saying, don't let the media tear you apart. Let's be honest, Shaq. Uh, if your fat ass would have been in better shape, you and Kobe would have won eight titles. And I love you, Shaq. But uh, it wasn't the media that broke you, it broke you guys up. It was you two not getting on the same plane um, and figuring it out. I just hope that that conversation leads to real conversations amongst people that you don't have to like where I'm coming from or, or like it, but at least have the conversation so you understand why someone's doing something rather than having these outrageous fights that don't even amount to a real fight because you're not listening to the other side. Um, my, my parting thought um, is, is related in a way, um, you know, for my real job, I cover the Browns all the time and we look forward, trust me, to having some actual Browns action uh, to talk about here on this podcast, to write about on The Athletic, etc. Uh, Kevin Stefanski did a Zoom call this week, I don't know, 25 or 30 minutes with local reporters and it wasn't a lot of football talk. Um, the guy has to win. The guy has a lot to overcome. But, man, super impressive on all fronts. Uh, you would not yeah. guess that he's a first-time head coach. You would not guess that he's significantly younger than both people on this podcast. Um, just right. really, really impressed with him. The Browns have been ahead of the curve in the diversity hiring. Um, the Browns, this whole offseason, in very un-Browns-like fashion, quite frankly, have presented themselves like adults, like there's a real plan, like they are you know, calm, cool, and collected. And, and it'll change. Um you know, when football starts, you know, we go back to the old Mike Tyson, right? And we've seen what happens in yep. the past. Um, and we've seen what happens when you raise the offseason trophy here in the past, frankly. And if you if you have <laughs> if you have qualms about that or some level of apathy because we have a new coach every single year here, I'm totally uh, understanding of that. So as far as being zero wins and zero losses, I'm just really impressed with Kevin Stefanski, how he's handled everything. And um, I think we're all – speak for all of us when – Say we're hoping that, you know, they continue to go well with J.C. Treader uh, out front of it. That, you know, they do the safest, smartest things. Um, I don't quite understand the six-foot uh, having to build extra locker rooms thing um, when every play in football you fall on a guy and slobber on him. But there yeah. are some hurdles to overcome, but hopefully we're getting close to that. Hopefully we'll have real football to talk about. But I just wanted to tip um, my cap here that you can't see that I'm wearing to Kevin Stefanski um, just for, you know, just, just talking about what's been going on in the world, how the team has handled it and how he plans to handle things going forward. So as always, thank you for yeah. listening. Well, the one thing I'll say about Stefanski, I don't know how Kevin Stefanski is going to call in one place. I don't even know who's going to call the plays. Um, I don't care though. Cause right now I'm glad that he's a Browns coach and he said some things. He didn't have to wear some cool T-shirt. He didn't have to come up with some cool slogan that people will play on the radio station over and over. Right. And he said what everybody wants in a, as a coach. I thought the one thing he said is, I'm with my guys. 
I'm going to stand with my guys. I'm going to be with my guys. I got their back in life. Yes. I don't care if it's a coach. I don't care if it's a teacher. Our best coaches are teachers that make you feel like you actually give a shit about them. We make fun of a lot of the coaches that are friends of ours. Um, we, we make fun of their records. We make fun of, you know, who they can beat and who they do beat. But you and I both know the, both, the best coaches are the ones that the players feel like they truly give a shit about them. I told my story about Coach John Sibio last week uh, on our podcast, and, and it meant something to me. He hasn't coached me in 30-some-plus years, um, but he, he still meant something to me because he cared about me. Um, I know it's different on a major league level where money's involved and things like that are involved. But what Kevin Stefanski has said yesterday, I thought, will go a long way. Um, and him being respected and remembered by his players for a long time, Zach. Absolutely. Shouts to scene to the Honeymoon Grill, to American Fireworks, and to you guys. Uh, and in light of Kevin Stefanski knocking that out of the park, uh, I'll leave you with a poem I wrote about the 2020 Cleveland Browns. They are smart. They are diverse. When it comes to tackling, we just have to hope they're not the worst. Talk to you guys soon.